Portland Pilots are the 2016 West Coast Conference champions. Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the Portside Pod. Joining us is the University of Portland Vice President for Athletics, Scott Lakeham, a return guest to the pod. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Adam. Still haven't seen you in about six months, but nice to see you this way. Good to see you again virtually. So big news coming out last week, the NCAA announcing November 25th as the official starting date for collegiate basketball. What does that mean for pilots, the pilots' men's and women's programs? It means we're planning on playing right around Thanksgiving weekend. Um, that's, that's the plan. Uh, it's nice to, as you mentioned, it's nice to have a hard start date. I think last time we talked, we knew November 10th was, was probably not going to happen. Um, there were a lot of options thrown out there. Um, November 21st and 25th were the two that we thought were uh, more likely. And in fact, I was a little surprised by the 25th. I think the momentum had really grown for the, the 21st, the day or two before the vote, but we'll take it. Having a couple extra days is not a bad thing. Um, now it's trying to uh, put Humpty Dumpty back together again as it relates to non-conference schedules, right? So uh, we know we can play four games fewer than normal. Um, so we had a couple of weeks versus ga uh, with games that were canceled. Uh, on the women's side, we may be able to pretty much keep what we had standing. We may lose one and have to reschedule one. Um, the men's side is going to more sort of tournament formats. Uh, these, you know, three or four teams go to one spot. Um, you play everybody. Because um, the reality is with on the men's side, uh, we've got to schedule 11 games and try to play them in about a month. So if we can do a couple of those tourneys, uh, it will make sense. Um, and constant contact with Tyler Geving of our men's staff and Skylar Young of our women's staff on what those things look like. But the good news is we're ready to go. So what do you think is the time frame? When do you think we'll start uh, being able to piece together a cement concrete uh, schedule? Well, I don't think it's ever going to be concrete. There will be a wet cement sign around the schedule for a while um, with travel, right? You may have teams that get cold feet and don't hop on a plane and uh, want to exercise a force majeure clause and delay a game by, you know, a year or two. So, uh, what, today's third week of September. I think by the end of this month, first week of October, we should have a pretty good feel. Um, some of it will be dependent on the conference men's schedule. We have a draft. Uh, that may change. But I, I feel like we're in pretty good shape in the next, you know, seven to 14 days to do something. Um, I've been in conversation with most of the athletic directors we're playing to gauge, you know, who could play, you know, who potentially is a flight risk and doesn't know yet. And there's some schools and markets that their gyms aren't even open yet. And we have some concerns. So I think the, the games we're looking at with home and home series that haven't started yet, some of those we may just delay a year and hopefully we're back to normal. Um, there will be a priority on kind of finishing the ones we have in place because you don't want to get in a scenario next year where you're playing a ton more road games than home games or vice versa because you're out of cycle. And you mentioned the West Coast Conference. Do we know what that schedule is going to look like? 
We, we've seen them. So the women's schedule is still planned to be 18 games uh, with travel partners. Um, so that's, you know, as we remember, right, pretty normal. Um, the men, we've seen a draft of 16 games. Um, I think there's, you know, there could be some discussion about playing 18, depending on how hard it's going to be to get non-conference games for everybody. Um, especially if that November 25th date were to be pushed back again, I think we might need more conference games. Um, but we've got those schedules. The league did a nice job. They look good. I think we're just waiting, you know, I would imagine probably early to mid-October. Um, we had them and we're about to release them uh, right about the time we postponed fall sports. So thought it was in our best interest. Let's just, let's hold for a bit and see how things play out. So people hear that basketball has been given the green light. First thought among many people's minds is fans at games. Are we going to see any fans at games? Do we know that yet? Good question. Uh, and something we're working through with the state. Uh, I, I foresee two models. I foresee a no fans um, for a while and then transitioning to limited fans, um, you know, 10%, 20%. Uh, Dan Seebeck of our op staff and Dave Taylor of our ticket staff have some models that they're, they're playing with if the state gives us um, the go-ahead. Um, the other one would be, you know, limited fans the whole season. Um, I'm pulling for the Pac-12 um, to keep moving and uh, potentially having um, some fans at some point. I'd love to see some pro teams have fans um, to have some people kind of get out in front of it. Uh, I don't see uh, I don't see a full fan capacity, Adam, unless some vaccine comes up quick and some things change. Um, but I, I'm more optimistic that we'll be able to have some folks in the stands this year. And you mentioned pro teams. Are we working with uh, some of these local pro teams, uh, for example, the Timbers, on as we return to play? And you also mentioned the governor's office. Any uh, direction there? Or what kind of information are we getting from them? Well, good questions. There's a there's a lot to tackle there. So. <laughs> Um, we were working as a full state, uh, I would say, the first couple of months of this deal. So um, Blazers, Timbers, Oregon uh, High School Athletic uh, Association, um, Portland State, the Winterhawks, the Hops. I think as we kind of pulled up to the mountain, we're all working together. Now we're all doing our own thing a little bit, right? Timbers have already started and they're gone and um, we had a nice call with them, learning what they're doing with no fans and what's working and what's not and how they're incorporating testing into that. Um, the Blazers, it doesn't look like they'll play again until after the calendar year, if you, if you read the NBA stories. So they're in a different spot. High school's after the calendar year. Uh, Pac-12 has their own exemption now, and obviously that's football. They're trying to, they're trying to really ramp up, like, within a matter of hours to get football um, going again. So for us, uh, I'm talking to Portland State. I had a nice uh, chat with Val Cleary, their AD, this morning. We're the other two Division I schools that, that very much uh, are looking forward to playing in November. So we've submitted our quarantine plans and our testing plans and our facility plans to them. I imagine we'll need to make some adjustments, but really just waiting for final clarification of exactly um, what they need to see from us. Like Adam, what that means more than anything is we're just going to have to test a lot. Uh, it, it depends who you talk to, right? Um, the NCA, I think, is going to ask us to test three times a week. State of Oregon may do more than that. Uh, but we're, no, we're very much working with both groups. 
Um, on the on the state, we've been in constant contact with the governor's office, the county, uh, Oregon Higher Education. They've all been very supportive. The thing I continue to appreciate uh, the state of Oregon, it's about science more than anything else and making sure um, case numbers uh, and infection are in a place where it's, um, it's safe to come back. Uh, we received a document, actually received it two times last week uh, with some edits of college sports resocialization guidelines for the state. Uh, and that's been my whole morning today, really talking to other folks about how did you read this? How did you read that? It's a great document. It's eight pages long, but as, as you've learned, Adam, you get these documents and then women's soccer has these five questions and volleyball has these five. So really the document could probably be 40 pages and not answer all the questions we have. So digging through that to see what flexibility it gives us to expand some practices. Um, and I'm sorry for the long answer, but I, I think the other piece that's important is the NCA has one set of tiering for sports. So for them, soccer and basketball, and there's a lot of sports in that high risk tier. In the state of Oregon, the only sport in our high risk tier for us is basketball. You know, soccer and baseball and everybody else are in the middle. So juggling those two pieces is tricky. Um, what it is and what it gives us some flexibility, I think, to do is for the medium tier sports and lower tier sports, which is everything but basketball, we'll be able to get back to fairly normal training um, sooner rather than later because there's not a lot of contact in those sports. Uh, we're still no contact with basketball. We're doing everything we can without that. Um, but obviously, we'll need to be able to move forward to get a season started soon. And you mentioned these other sports. So we have the starting date for basketball established. Do we know what the spring looks like now for the postponed fall sports? Yeah, we're starting to get a picture of it uh, in terms of what dates look like. So um, think of it this way, the NCAA, in the NCAA championship cycle. So you've got your basketball final fours in you know, late March, early April, right? And then you've got track, college baseball World Series, college softball World Series in that kind of mid-May to mid-June. So in between basketballs and baseball, softball, track, they're going to try to jam volleyball, cross country, soccer, all of those in kind of that six weeks where there's not as much going on with the NCAA. So it looks like volleyball will start end of January-ish. Um, soccer's are early February. Uh, cross country sort of bouncing around. Um, three weeks ago, if you and I would have talked, I thought cross country was done. I, I didn't think there'd be an NCAA championship. Now it looks like we're, we're going to have one. So trying to figure out what that looks like. Seasons will be different. Uh, remember that all these athletes, that this will still be a redshirt year for them, even with competition. Um, so it'll be primarily conference games uh, with some regional friends, you know, like the Ducks and the Beavers and Portland State and Seattle U, um, kind of that balance. Uh, with cross, cross country, it'll probably be a dual meet or two. You know, hopefully we can get together with a BYU or an Oregon or somebody and and then go right into uh, WCCs and nationals. But it looks like sort of end of January to end of April is the window. And the traditional spring sports, the baseball, tennis, rowing, track and field, indoor and outdoor, beach volleyball, will these seasons get affected with all the fall sports taking place in the spring? Maybe will they get delayed starting dates, anything like that? No, the, the calendar is the same. I think the indoor-outdoor track, uh, we're trying to figure out. Indoor track, that's – 
a lot of people in a small indoor space. So I think nationally, they're still working through that outdoor track. You know, how does that fit with cross country? But we'll mm -hmm. still, we'll still go there. Beach volleyball is the one that we're, you know, at the league level, how do you do that and indoor at the same time? Right. Uh, but to answer your question, start dates, practice dates, championship dates are all the same. One of those spring sports rowing, how is the search for a new head coach going? Any updates there? I hope it's, I hope it's just about done. Uh, if everything goes um, to plan, uh, we'll have an announcement this week. Also, Portland Athletics recently launched a pilot's vote, which is a voting initiative to register all student athletes and anyone associated with UP athletics. It kind of joins this nationwide movement to get more collegiate student athletes involved in the voting process. Why is something like this important? First, I want to give credit to our, our former men's basketball coach, Eric Reveno, who started this whole thing from scratch. Um, and really to the point where the NCAA is going to make it a, a national rule. So it's something that we're all um, going to do. Um, but I think, you know, with, with 18 to 22 year old student athletes, educating them on how they can change the world and affect the world. And um, it's not just about November. November is important, um, but it's, it's teaching our student athletes that they have a chance, you know, two, three times a year to decide who their city council people will be and who their mayor will be and senator and congressman and what their property taxes will be like and everything else. So just, just learning that process. And um, the great part about the country and the state we live in is, is we can impact it. Scott Lakin, the vice president of athletics at the University of Portland. Thanks once again for joining the Portside Pod. Thank you, Adam.